This is John Connor. If you're listening to Tracks in Sci-Fi, you are the resistance. Yeah, that uh, great intro there was from uh, Rob Butler, Lone Spar on the forums. It's a little more Terminator-oriented with John Connor. Good uh, voice there. But uh, I wanted to play it this week uh, just because, well, it's fun and I like it. Anyway, this is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness, Trek news, uh, reviews, commentary, and whatever else happens to cross my mind for the week. Uh, It is uh, going to be podcast 274. Yes, I believe that's correct. Uh, It is April the 11th, 2010. Uh, First off, I want to just a quick thank you to the Moyers, especially Rick, of course, who handled the podcasting chores last week with his excellent podcast on the TNG first season episode, Coming of Age. Uh, that uh, Wesley uh, and and other things going on in that episode. But anyway, you did great. Uh, it was a, a wonderful cast. Everyone seems to really enjoyed it. Uh, lots of good co- comments and feedback on that. So, uh, But uh, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Let's do the intro, and I'll be back uh, right after that uh, with this week. Oh, uh, the main topic will be, I'm a little, I got to, well, anyway. <laughs> I could start recording again, but nah, you guys like this stuff, right? The main topic for this week's podcast for Treks in Sci-Fi <laughs> is a TOS, TOS original series episode called A Private Little War. I'm not going to say anything much about it right now, but uh, I will, of course, later on. And I think I'm going to do a full commentary. Uh, it'll be a little jury-rigged, but we'll manage to get through it. Anyway, that's coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. Sit back. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, welcome to the show again, the main show, the show proper, everyone. And this is, uh, I think it's going to be a fun show. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm here in Rockford uh, again in this quiet house doing laundry while I podcast, although not at the same time exactly. Although the machines are doing the job. I'm just sitting here waiting for them. And then, um, but... uh, (laughs) Like I always uh, or say quite often these days, it, just getting into the podcast sometimes is the trickiest part. Even after, what is this, 274, I said? Jeez, we're coming up on 300 and another 25 or so shows. That'll probably be towards, that's about six months worth. It's, uh, that'll be sort of towards the about November-ish, I guess, October, November. Anyway, thanks everyone, as always, for downloading and listening to the show. I know it's uh, one thing I wanted to say this week to start off with. Uh, it's in the podcasting world, you know, when I started this show quite a few years ago, four and a half years ago, it uh, it was pretty small. Now it seems like every day there's a new podcast turning up, you know, whether they're about, you know, golfing or the weather or, or you know, other TV shows, uh, all kinds of things. And there's also quite a few that I would consider sort of more 
uh, quote unquote professional. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I need to get some tea. I didn't get that yet. I'll go to get that in the next break. Uh, what I would call like professional podcasts out there where the people are actually almost making a living or even are making a living off the show. I'm thinking of things like Twit, uh, uh, Kelly Lewis, uh, you know, Dignation, those guys, uh, you know, all great shows to listen to and, and watch. And some of them, you know, quite a few are video. But, you know, there's, uh, I kind of put myself in the middle ground a little bit. You know, I'm not pro. I certainly work for a living, as everyone out there listening knows that, working in another state now. But, you know, I consider that I've had some experience doing this for a while. And I guess the one thing I wanted to say in regards to all of this is that I greatly appreciate everyone that has kind of stayed with the show and listened to it over the whole haul, or even new listeners. That's great, too, uh, because, you know, I know sometimes people will listen to a show for a while, and then they kind of switch off, almost like people channel surf on television, you know. Well, I'm bored with that program. I watched it for a season or a season or two, even, and and now I'm going to switch off into something else. You know, I'm not personally that kind of a person. If it's something that I enjoy and like, I usually am pretty dedicated and stick with it. but my whole point with all of this is I, I just want to, again, thank everyone for uh, sticking around and, and staying with the show, whether you jumped in it, uh, you know, back with the Betacast in the beginning days or, you know, even just last week and uh, everywhere in between. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. And with that, uh, just two comments. Uh, one, iTunes. I would love to see some new uh, reviews up on the iTunes. Just go to iTunes. Go into the podcast area, you know, search for Treks and Sci-Fi. You'll find it. And and put a review up there. I I think you can do it even if you put one up a long time ago. I think you could put a new one up. I'm I'm not sure what they check or how that works. but uh, And definitely, if you are a listener to the podcast and enjoy it, or just have some comments of any kind, you know, please uh, uh, put a review on iTunes. And then donations. Those are always welcome. I appreciate the ones that come in. There are PayPal links on the main webpage over at treksinsci-fi.com. Thanks. And uh, I'm going to take a break, get some tea, and uh, we'll get more into some Trek news and then into this week's episode commentary. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Mike. Do you like Stargate SG-1? Did you think it was all over? We didn't, and so the Gatecast was born. We are two guys with far too much time on our hands and are exploring the stories of Stargate Command, episode by episode. With commentary about our favourite SG team's adventures. You mean the girly kick-ass team from Atlantis? No. We're talking about Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson and Teok. We make up SG-1 along with Dr. Fraser, Walter and General Hammond who lead the human race towards new worlds where people have certainly been before and some a long, long time ago. Each week a new episode will be discussed along with news and listener comments. So search for Gatecast on iTunes or use your chosen podcatcher. Or visit us at gatecast.facecast.com or our Facebook page. And join in the fun. We guarantee all comments will be read out. Gatecast. By fans, for fans. Okay, uh, one of the biggest uh, Star Trek uh, news stories this past week or so that was uh, that came up and... Thanks for uh, uh, Kenny on the forums. I think he first posted about this, that at least the first time I saw about it, and then I checked out some other sources and things. And what it is, is there was that uh, Star Trek experience out in Las Vegas that uh, ran for several years. I never, unfortunately, made it out to it. Uh, But it closed about, uh, I guess, about a year and a half-ish ago or so, which, uh, again, which was sad, especially since it closed 
just you know not that long before the new movie came out and the new movie being very popular i think they really lost some some good revenue they would have gotten that uh, year after uh, last spring almost a year from uh, now a little less than that but uh, anyway that closed down and there was talk and rumblings and it was looking pretty likely that this was going to reopen at another venue another hotel uh, in the area I think I even mentioned it on a podcast or two and posted a story on the website but now unfortunately it looks like this is not going to happen they are auctioning off all of the old you know models costumes props uh, everything that basically in you know, set pieces everything that made up uh, some of the you know the I, I don't know what you call it the 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 stuff that's worth money <laughs> uh, from the experience they have had in a warehouse in the Vegas area for all this time and they are auctioning it off they started I guess yesterday I don't know the details that much about the auction you know it's not like I'm in the area or that I have money to burn to to buy probably some fairly expensive items uh, although I would love to I mean it it's just kind of a shame that th this is the way it goes you know it's too bad that you know, that they couldn't put it into some kind of like, you know, that exhibit that's traveling around the country. They couldn't combine it with with those. Actually, there's two of them uh, that are, I think, still going, uh, you know, just just something rather than just sort of, you know, having one big, you know, Trek garage sale. You know, I'm hoping that some fans that know about this and if you're out there, you know, who knows, maybe someone listening to this is someone that's gone to the auction, even someone that's purchased a, a piece or something. But if you have, you know, shoot me an email or an audio comment or, or something. I'd love to hear what your experience uh, was with buying pieces of the experience. It's, it, you know, it just makes me kind of sad. You know, maybe one day we'll have a bigger and better one built. I, I, I could see that happening. You know, we get another movie or two. Uh, maybe another Trek series someday, and it gets, you know, the uh, popularity continues and they build something, you know. It's all about the Benjamins. It's all about the money. So if somebody, an investor, thinks it's worth the money, I, I think that they, we would uh, see something again. So I just thought I would have to or should report about that situation. And it doesn't look like at least any time in the near future we're going to get a new uh, Star Trek uh, experience in Vegas. Another bit of Trek news is Rod Roddenberry, uh, Gene Roddenberry's son, uh, has been working on this documentary about Trek and, and his father for, for quite a while now, and it looks like it's pretty much wrapped and finished. There are trailers out. This is called, uh, or it will be called when it's fully released, it's called Trek Nation. You can find out more and watch the trailer for this really cool documentary about Trek and Roddenberry. Uh, Rod even interviews George Lucas and, and all kinds of people. It, it's over at uh, treknationmovie.com. It, it's looking really great, and, and I think it's going to give people a different perspective on Trek, especially people that aren't into it and know a lot about it. And, and it looks very positive. I, I'm really liking what I'm seeing in these trailers so far. And I don't see right now that they have a, a release date uh, that I've been able to find. But if there is one, I will uh, pass that on to everyone out there in the Treks in Sci-Fi audience. And make sure that everyone is watching, uh, and I don't know when you'll be listening to this podcast, but maybe you already did watch it. Uh, tomorrow on April 12th, Monday, there is a, a very cool episode of The Big Bang Theory, which is uh, Probably my favorite comedy show. It's it's such a geek uh, thrill to watch that show every week with all the references to comics and Trek and Star Wars. It's just, if you're not watching it, they're in their third season. You should be. 
It's on CBS on Monday nights. But anyway, tomorrow night they are having a re uh, uh, another appearance by Will Wheaton. Yes, Will Wheaton. Uh, he is going to be back on as Sheldon's nemesis. And there is a, a trailer out also, or a little bit of uh, the episode here. I'm going to try to play some of, it, some of it for you right now. And then I'll come back and we'll be getting into this week's uh, Trek episode, uh, the uh, uh, episode from original series, uh, A Private Little War, blah, 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 blah. Rico can't talk today for some reason. Anyway, here's a little bit of uh, the Big Bang Theory that will be the episode, uh, The I think it's called the Wheaton Reoccurrence or something like that. Anyway, it'll be on April 12th, which is my son's, uh, my younger son, Eric's birthday. So happy birthday, Eric. And I will uh, be back after this. I know Bob couldn't make it, so I brought a substitute. I believe some of you know Will Wheaton. <laughs> Hi, Sheldon. How's it going? Well, well, well. If it isn't Will Wheaton, the Green Goblin to my Spider-Man, the Pope Paul V to my Galileo, the Internet Explorer to my Firefox. You're not still carrying a grudge because I beat you at that card tournament, are you? I'm the proud owner of WillWheatonStinks.com, .net, and .org. What does that tell you? It tells me that I am living rent-free right here. You ready to bowl? Oh, I'm ready. I don't know if Stuart told you what you're up against tonight, but before you stands the co-captain of the East Texas Christian Youth Holy Roller Bowling League Championship team. Seven to twelve-year-old division. Also, Penny's pretty good. Great. Then it's on. Foolish Will Wheaton. It was never off. <laughs> ah, Will Wheaton, my old nemesis, my old friend. Yes, you got to watch The Big Bang Theory. It's a, just a great show. I, I love it. I've uh, been watching since season one. So, But now we're going to get into this week's uh, episode commentary on the TOS episode... A Private Little War. This is from Season 2. Since I'm going to do a full episode commentary, I'm not going to talk too much yet uh, before we get into it. I'll have plenty of time during the episode. You know, TOS episodes run a little longer than the uh, TNG and so forth or later into Voyager and Enterprise and all. TOS episodes were in the 50-minute, 53, 54-minute. Almost, you know, it just tells you how many commercials they were able to, uh, or the, the shorter amount of commercials they put in 60 shows versus uh, the shows of modern day right now. But anyway, let's get into A Private Little War from TOS's second season. Yes, Jim. Ah, out in the hills of California, filming another Trek episode. Most interesting organic compounds. Hey, Starfleet was right. Roots and soil cultures can be a medical treasure house. Any problems there? No sign of the inhabitants so far. Kirk out. Large prints. The ape-like carnivore in the reports? Yes. The Mogato. No problem, though. Those prints are several days old. They seldom stay around. At now, one little bit of uh, trivia here is those footprints also, they show you. Young Lieutenant Kirk in command of his first Hang on. Class M in all respects, quite Earth-like. Are from actually the shore leave episode and the White Rabbit prints. They just kind of use stock footage for those Mugatu prints. Absolutely no fighting among themselves. Remarkably peaceful and tranquil. Oh, 
some good music in this episode. You know, one of the things I always like about TOS. Bows and arrows, Captain. Villagers with flintlocks. That's impossible. They hadn't progressed nearly that far. Yeah, I just gotta like the music. So Kirk's picking up this rock and he's going to hurl it at this guy that's holding a gun, a flintlock. Basically, he distracts them so that uh, the other Tyree and his friends are, are uh, alerted to where he's at. Now Kirk and Spock are kind of basically running away. <laughs> Because they really can't interfere here, you know, the whole prime directive thing. Enterprise alert. Stand by to beam up landing party. Spock just got shot in the back. Yeah, that's pretty mean. He's got this big green blotch, uh, blotch of blood across his back and front now. So he's helping Spock up. They grabbed his phaser that fell off on the ground and heading to McCoy so they can beam out. Now, Scotty, have medics stand by. Now we got the opening theme, of course, and dial this down just a little bit. Um, one thing that, about that opening now that I watched again that doesn't quite add up a little bit especially is is the beaming out situation you know why couldn't they just the minute they were discovered you know Kirk and Spock beam out from where they were at and McCoy beam out they could call him and have him beam out there you know why you know TOS and Enterprise could handle that kind of stuff you know I guess Maybe there was some interference in the area. What was, you know makes it more dramatic, of course. Maybe they weren't thinking of beaming out. Maybe they just thought they would just run off and, you know, hide or whatever. But it's obviously a lot more dramatic like this. But it kind of doesn't really make sense. You know, how many times in in you know Trek history did they get out of a bad situation by just beaming out of there? You know, they on a planet it shouldn't be that big of a deal, especially if they're not underground or in a structure or something. So. Anyway, let's get back into the episode. I'll give you a little bit of background here. This episode is uh, the teleplay by Gene Roddenberry, a uh, story by Judd Crucis, and there's a little story behind that I'll tell you in a few minutes here. Now they're back, of course, on the Enterprise. Spock's hurt pretty bad. Pressure back. Lucky his heart's where his liver should be, or he'd be dead now. Good, sir. There's a 
a black doctor in the transporter room with uh, Nurse Chapel, too, which we'll learn more about him, Dr. Mabinga. On my way. Got it. Well, at least you didn't say he's dead, Jim. That's that's good. That's important. Captain, we're holding the planet between us and the Klingons. I don't think they've spotted us. Make that definite, sir. They're sending a routine message to their home base. No mention of us. Good. Go to yellow alert. Yellow alert. All stations, go to yellow alert. Do you think you can keep us out of their sights, Captain? I can try, Captain. Message to Starbase, sir? We're we'll giving ourselves away, Lieutenant, until we find out what's going on. We can hide for a while, sir, but we may have to go out of orbit to keep it up for long. Kirk to sick bay. McCoy here. I'll call you as soon as I know anything. Sick bay out. So, they've broken the treaty. Not necessarily, Captain. They have as much right to scientific missions here as we have. Research is not the Klingon way. True. But since this is a hands-off planet, how are you going to prove they're doing otherwise? My left there. He's referring, of course, to, like, you know, the Organian Peace Treaty about, you know, the humans and Klingons not fighting, or the Federation, I should say, Starfleet not fighting with the Klingons. How many centuries between those two developments? On Earth, about 12, sir. On the other hand, a flintlock would be the first firearm the inhabitants would normally develop. Yes, I'm aware of that, Mr. Scott. And, sir, the fact Earth took 12 centuries doesn't mean they had to. We've seen development at different rates on different planets. And if there were the Klingons behind it, why didn't they get them breech loaders? Or machine guns? Or old style handlers? did not invite a debate. I'm sorry. I'm worried about Spock and concerned about what's happened to something I once knew down there. You have the con, Scotty. I'll be at sick bear. I like that because, you know, you don't really get to see the three of them, Chekhov, Uhura, and Scotty, all sort of joining in on some discussion about what's going on. It's We've it's a nice change in the way they scripted that little bit. He's going to live. His Vulcan physiology will have to do it for him. Agreed. Sterilite off. Yes, sir. Maybe they should leave that Sterilite on. I kind of liked it, you know? He'll live or die now. Yeah, Kirk's not too happy about this, that's for sure. Dr. Mabinga interned in the Vulcan ward. He couldn't be in better hands. Then you and I are transporting down one. I can't leave Spock at this time. You just indicated you could. There are Klingons here. If their mission is of legitimate research interest in the planet's organic potential, then you're the one man who can tell me. And if that's not it, then I need help. Advice I can trust as much as Spock's. I appreciate the compliment, Jim, but... Bones, I'm as worried about Spock as you are. But if the Klingons are breaking the treaty, it could be interstellar war. Kirk to bridge. Bridge. Scott here. McCoy and I are transporting back down inform ship stores that will need native costumes. Captain, we may have to break out of orbit any minute to keep out of their sight. We'd be able to communicate a range with you. Understand. We'll arrange a rendezvous schedule. One thing that's a little tricky about this is the Enterprise can Kirk. see the Klingons and detected them, but the Klingons can't see the Enterprise at this point. There's an enormous tactical advantage. Therefore, I cannot risk contact with Starfleet Command. 
I must take action on my own judgment. I have elected to violate orders and make contact with planet inhabitants here. Well, you know, that's uh, not, not a new thing, Kirk violating orders, but... A quarter of a mile away. So now they're beamed back down. They're not wearing their Starfleet gear. They're wearing nice little, uh, you know, villager outfits again, and Jim. things. Starfleet's orders about this planet state no interference with... No interference with normal social development. I'm not only aware of it, it was my survey 13 years ago that recommended it. I read it. Inhabitants superior in many ways to humans. Left alone, they undoubtedly someday will develop a remarkably advanced and peaceful culture. Indeed. And I intend to see that they have that chance. You coming with me? Do I have a choice? And <laughs> yeah, now they're walking out in the, you know, out in the nice brush of... Now there's this white, like, ape-like creature that just attacked them called the Mugatu, and I'll tell you a lot about him soon. Kirk's down on the ground. He's The Mugatu's got him pretty good, biting him. McCoy's trying to pull him off. And he managed to phaser him and vaporize him. Now, one thing about the Mugatu in this is uh, DeForest Kelly couldn't say the original name, which which uh, was a Gumatu with a G at the beginning. So they ended up changing his name, even though in the credits you'll see it's spelled like uh, the original with a G at the beginning. Yeah. Kirk's in pretty bad shape, the poison from uh, the fangs of the Mugatu. I can only keep you alive a few hours with this. Tyree. Some of his men. Cure. Ah, when he's poisoned, he's even more Shatner-like, isn't he? Are you hell people? Do you know a hunter named Tyree? A Mugatu attacked him. He's James Kirk. He's a friend of Tyree's. Blasted, do something. He's dying. Now they, uh, they're taken by the hill people to their village, and, and Kirk's going to uh, you know, get a little help here. One thing I wanted to say about this is, I don't know if I've told this story, but way, way back uh, in the early days of my, uh, you know, watching Trek is, we went to a convention when we were uh, kids, and my uh, younger brother, we made a, a, a Mugatu costume. I think I somewhere have pictures of that, or I posted them maybe on our forum on treksandsci-fi.com. But uh, we actually won a prize. It was kind of funny because we won... A prize for our costumes. A couple of us were in Starfleet uniforms, and my brother was in the Mugatu costume, and and he kind of waved to the crowd when we were up on the stage. You know, when he walked by. So we actually won for most humorous uh, costumes, and that wasn't really our intention, but that's the way it worked out. So that was a a convention way back uh, in the early days of, like I said, of Trek and watching it in reruns uh, that we went to in Canada in Toronto. Uh, and uh, one of the first real big uh, Trek conventions I ever went to.
But I'll always remember that when I watch this episode with our Mugatu costume. And somewhere I have that still stashed away. It wasn't too bad, actually. The mask was the hard part. And now we're meeting Tyree and his woman, Nona. the villagers will return to their ways of friendship. In time? They kill your people. I get the volume back up here a little. I am a Kanutu woman. In all this land, how many are there? Men seek us because through us they become great leaders. I took you because you cast a spell upon me. And I have spells that help me keep you. Remember this leaf? Yeah, the makeup and the wigs in this episode are a little kind of funky, but uh, there's a lot of bloopers, actually, on the original series blooper reels from this episode uh, that, that just show how many things happened during the filming of it. Nona here, this very attractive, seductive witch, Kanutu, Kanutu woman, Kanutu. She is played by uh, a, a pretty popular actress back in the day, uh, Nancy Kovac. She was in a, uh, a Ray Harryhausen movie, uh, Jason and the Argonauts, which is a great uh, bit of work and a, and a fantastic movie to watch so check that out and she's in that and it was a I think a 60s movie so around the same time frame he dies strangers it is said the dying one is a friend of Tyree from long ago that one bring him when his head clears So Kirk's in pretty bad shape still. He's in this cave uh, and uh, in you know wrapped up in some furs, but feverish. McCoy doesn't have any way to cure him. They can't contact the Enterprise, so they're a little uh, you know dependent on the locals for some help here. Let me get into this story background here. The the author of this uh, episode is a, a guy named Don Ingalls, but Gene Roddenberry rewrote his script. Uh, this is basically a play. The story of A Private Little War is a little bit of a, a play on the Vietnam War at the time and uh, arming people and, and things like that. And in Don uh, Ingalls' original storyline, there was a lot more references to that and a lot more obvious that it was kind of a case against, against the Vietnam War. But Gene Roddenberry rewrote it a bit, and he wasn't happy with his rewrite, so Don Ingalls put his pseudonym on the uh, storyline called Judd Crucis, which is sort of an anagram on Jesus crucified. He wasn't happy with Gene's rewrites. He is the one I told you of, the friend of my younger days. My remedies require I know what kind of man he is. All that is known of him. Well, he's from, you know, up there, outer space. I gave him my promise of silence. He was made my brother. And I'm your wife, his sister. I promise silence also. Nona. Quickly. Or he dies. Yeah, she saw 
McCoy using his phaser to heat some rocks up around them. Now Spock, back in sickbay on the Enterprise, his readings are pretty low. Um, Nurse Chapel is kind of there watching over him, holding his hand. Of course, you know, the whole uh, Nurse Chapel has a thing for Spock uh, is, is shown quite a bit in this episode. It's, it's, it's pretty good. I like it. I've seen this before in Vulcans. It's a way of concentrating all their strength, blood, and antibodies onto the injured organs. A form of self-induced hypnosis. You mean he's conscious? Well, in a sense. He knows we're here and what we're saying. But he can't afford to take his mind from the tissue he's fighting to heal. I suppose he even knows you were holding his hand. That guy, the actor there playing Dr. Mabinga, is an actor named Booker Broadshaw. Or Bradshaw. Sorry, Booker Bradshaw plays Dr. Mabinga. And I'm Tyree's woman. Tyree is played by an actor named Michael Whitney. I already told you about Nona as Nancy Kovac. And now there's this uh, route to uh, suck out the poison. Plant. It moves. For those who know where to find it, how to use it, how to pick it. And now she's in there trying to help Kirk with this root, and uh, Tyree has to cut her hand with a knife, you know, slices her, her hand up. And now she's kind of going into this little trance thing, and uh, it's very witch doctor-like and all that, very, you know, Louisiana, that kind of thing. And now she puts the root over Kirk's wound, along with her bloodied hand. Now some good, again, background uh, music in this episode. Trying to, you know, express the sort of strange magic that's going on here to cure Kirk. Cure Kirk. Yeah, for people that live out in the uh, woods, Nona has a lot of makeup on, which <laughs> I guess even, you know, Native Americans do that. You know, uh, dyes and inks and things and, and stuff can be found in, in nature pretty easily to use. I guess it just looks a little too nicely done, I think. But and She's got this nice orange furry top, which I don't know where they get that color from in nature, but... And now she kind of collapses, and um, Kirk looks like he's settling down. He opens his eyes. Fine job. 
And his wound is pretty well healed. Oh, both. Thank you for saving his life. They're both pretty whipped. Nona is, uh, and her uh, wound is all healed on her hand too. I would like to learn more about this. Our blood has passed through the Mako root together. Our souls have been together. He is mine now. What? 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 Wait! Whoa! Back the back the truck up. What? What? He is hers. When a man and woman are joined in this manner, he can refuse her no wish. But it is only legend. That's the thing about those legends, you know, they always seem to kind of come true a little bit. So now it's a little later, they're, McCoy wakes up, uh, and uh, he finds that Kirk is uh, not in his little fur bed anymore, and he's looking around for him. So anyway, back to the, the script a little bit on this. Like I said, it, it was, you know, it, it's basically paralleling and, and a little bit of a take on... Uh, the Vietnam War and, and, and against, you know, helping an enemy to, to just fight another enemy, that kind of stuff. He finds Kirk over by uh, Nona's bed, and then uh, Tyree pops up, he wakes up, and uh, he's happy to see his uh, old friend Kirk. Tyree. My old friend. Yes, James. James, it's good to see you. I'm a gunter, but I remember. I told him to take me to Tyree's camp. I knew you'd find a Kanuto to cure me. A Kanuto is the, the local witch people here. They've studied. And now Nona gets up and comes over to Kirk, and uh... they've studied the roots and the herbs I am a Canuto captain I cured you oh okay uh thanks my wife <laughs> Nona yes of course I should have guessed uh yeah congratulations this one's kind of different. I kind of like it because this time the girl's going after Kirk instead of Kirk going after the girl. Good. It is past time to plan. Much has happened since you left, James. Come, we'll speak of it. And of things to be done. Come. Yeah, this is guy talk, okay? You know, uh, Nona, all right? Just stay there, all right? Okay? We will speak of it. Yeah, she's she's not too happy about that. Greetings are beginning to fluctuate. And just as they should. This is Dr. Mbenga. There will be someone with you constantly now. When the time comes, I'll be called. As soon as he shows any signs of consciousness, call me immediately. Yes, Doctor. After you called me, 
If he speaks, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says? Yes. Well, that's clear enough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, just do what Spock says. Come on, you know? Firesticks first appeared nearly a year ago. Since that time, many of my people have died. You say they make the firesticks themselves. How can you be sure? I have looked into the village. I have seen it being done. Have you seen any strangers among the villagers? Strangers? No. Can you take us to their village while it's still dark? Yes. But the Mugatos travel at night also. You killed one. This mate will not be far. Have you seen how these work? I've seen them also. And I know you have many ways to make your friend Tyree a man of great importance. Yeah, yeah. She knows too much. What else does she know about us? Tyree has told me much of you. Do not blame him. It was the price for saving your life. We're simply strangers from. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have ways as far above fire sticks as the sky above our world. You will not speak of this to others. I will not if I am made to understand. Teach me. There's an old custom among my people. When a woman saves a man's life, he is grateful. Uh, how about some maybe like chocolate or flowers yeah great okay i am grateful a splendid custom if not carried to extremes we once were as you are spears arrows there came a time when our weapons grew faster than our wisdom and we almost destroyed ourselves we learned from this to make a rule during all our travels Never to cause the same to happen to other worlds. Just as a man must grow in his own way and in his own time. Some men never grow. Perhaps not as fast or in the way another thinks he should. Yeah, it's very good, wise rule, you know. They're not really ready, but... ...in the way of a man or another world. You must let the villagers destroy us. You will not yeah, well, maybe not. And brother kill them instead? No! I said I will not kill! We must fight or die. Is dying better? Would let him die when you have weapons to make him powerful and safe? Then he has the wrong friend. I am the wrong husband. Oh. You will help in ways she does not understand. I have faith in our friendship, James. And I have a very bad wig on my head. <laughs> oh, okay, let me tell you a little side story, too. There was an episode of TNG that uh, they were actually going to have an older Shatner come back and it, the episode was called Too Short a Season and they were going to visit this planet again. 
and uh, it just never really worked out. Shatner never appeared on TNG, obviously, until, well, until Generations, but I thought that was an interesting little side bit that I found out, uh, that they were supposed to have returned here with uh, an elderly James Kirk. Jim, this man believes in the same thing we believe in, that killing is stupid and useless. I read. And now there's this uh, little village they're trying to investigate to find out about uh, these weapons, these uh, flintlocks they're building. I don't know where. I know they use this set here for Errand of Mercy and other Trek episodes. It's pretty obvious that it's the same same buildings and same area. Now they just jumped uh, one of the guards there. kind of sneaking their way in here trying to find out how this is all going down how this how these guys are able to build these things the fire sticks a quarrel by my people the division of some skins and a hill woman taken this morning it's hard to divide one woman give her to the man who killed the most of her people the others will see the profit and bravery i'll make a klingon of you yet yeah, now there's this Klingon here who's actually the cause of and uh, supplying him with these weapons. The See how it holds the priming powder more securely? Fewer misfires. When I return, we can give you other improvements. A rifled barrel. What? A way to shoot further and straighter. Yeah, so here you have the two forces, you know, the, the Federation on one side and the Klingons on the other. The Klingons supplying the villagers with uh, these weapons and the knowledge of how to make them. Now Kirk and McCoy have found uh, kind of this uh, warehouse area and, and forge. Exhibit number one. Chrome steel drill point. This big iron is almost carbon free. That village furnace certainly didn't produce it. People's exhibit number two. Coal roll gun barrel rod fashioned to look homemade. You were right about the Klingons, Jim. Make recorder and scanner tapes of everything. Right. It's a pity we can't include a live Klingon that is about rapid. I'll show you the method. I thought my people would grow tired of killing, but you were right. They see that it is easier than trading, and it has pleasures. <laughs> I feel it myself. It's easier, so we just kill everyone. But with richer rewards. You will be rich one day, Apella. Beyond your dreams. Now, Kirk and McCoy have hidden in this room while the Klingon and, and the villager leader... Oop. McCoy accidentally, you know, left his tricorder going, but they managed to knock both of them out. And... But there are a couple of guards at the door there blocking their way.
But they overtake him, of course, and, and they're running off now. So now they're taking off McCoy and Kirk and Tyree. Now back to the Enterprise and Spock. This is pretty interesting. Watch or listen to this. The pain will help me to consciousness. Hit me. Hit you? No, I can't. Blast you. Strike me. If I don't regain consciousness soon, it may be too late. Hit me. Harder. Again. Continue. The pain will help me to consciousness. What are you doing, woman? Baby, you're not. Have you gone? No. Now Babinga jumps in here and is helping Spock. That will be quite enough. Thank you, Doctor. Please, release her. What's this all about? She was doing as I requested, Mr. Scott. A Vulcan form of self-healing. As you saw, they must wait until the last possible moment, then fight their way back to consciousness. Here, let me help you, Mr. Spock. Thank you, nurse. I'm quite fully recovered. Yes, I see you are. <laughs> yeah, so Vulcans, you know, have all kinds of good tricks, you know. And... The hammer. The hammer striking the pan causes a spark, ignites the powder, and fires the flintlock. So now Kirk's uh, no. teaching uh, Tyrese Name people how, how to shoot a flintlock. Hold your breath and squeeze the trigger gently. They're doing a little target practice. Well done. Very, very, very Jim, I want to talk to you. Not here, Bones. In the cave. Your time. Your turn. It's not bad enough there's already one serpent in Eden teaching one side about gunpowder. You're going to make sure they all know about it. Exactly. Each side receives the same knowledge and the same type of firearm. Have you gone out of your mind? Yes, maybe you have. Tari's wife, she said there was something in that root. She said, now that you can refuse her nothing. Superstition. Is it a coincidence this is exactly what she wants? Is it? She wants superior weapons. That's the one thing neither side can have. Bones. Bones, the normal development of this planet was a status quo between the hill people and the villagers. The Klingons changed that with the flintlocks. If this planet is to develop in the way it should, we must equalize both sides again. Jim, that means you're condemning this whole planet to a war that may never end. It could go on for year after year, massacre after massacre. All right, Doctor. Say I'm wrong. Say I'm drugged. Say the woman drugged me. What is your sober, sensible solution to all this? I don't have a solution. But furnishing them firearms is certainly not the answer. Bones, do you remember the 20th century brush wars on the Asian continent? Two giant powers involved, much like the Klingons and ourselves. Neither side felt that they could pull out. Yes, I remember. It went on bloody year after bloody year. But what would you have suggested? That 
one side arm its friends with an overpowering weapon. Mankind would never have lived to travel space if they had. No. The only solution is what happened back then. Balance of power. And if the Klingons give their side even more, then we arm our side with exactly that much more. A balance of power. The trickiest most difficult, dirtiest game of them all, but the only one that preserves both sides. And what about your friend Tyree? Will he understand this balance of power? So there is the uh, you know overt reference to the Asian but, continent, brush wars, and things uh, of the 20th century. Try and make him understand. And uh, you know, Kirk has a point. It, you know, there. What what are you going to do? The Klingons have, have messed with the development already. Mask. He's trying to fix things. Well, Jim, here's another morsel of agony for you. Since Tyree won't fight, he will be one of the first to die. War isn't a good life, but it's life. His wife is the only way to reach him. If I tell her, to supply guns. Maybe she'll convince him. Position, Mr. Scott. Entering distant orbit, sir. Approaching rendezvous time. Yeah, so, you know, they're back on the Enterprise. You know, again, Kirk, uh, Kirk's plan probably could work, and, and we'll see how this works out here. And now he's off to try to find Nona and uh, convince her to talk to her husband. And he finds her yeah, kind of taking a little bath by the local stream. Little uh, half naked, basically. You are here because I wished you here. Oh, I thought it was my idea. <laughs> yes, they always believe they come of free will. Tyree even thought the same when I cast my first spell on him. No, no. Can you smell this fragrance? Some find it pleasing. I would like to talk to you. Again. Yeah, Some Kirk, find it soothing. Kirk uh, is trying to fight it here a little bit. He's got a pretty strong will, but, you know. I would like She's pretty hot. You know, what do you want? And now she's sort of, uh, you know, using this route to, to affect Kirk's mind. And, and and then Tyree kind of walks up over on the in the distance here and is seeing what's going on with his wife and his friend James. Yes, you are lovely. And Tyree happens to have a flintlock with him, and he's aiming it at James. Yeah, Kirk's... he's trying to fight it, but you know, he's... he's Kirk. Come on, now. And now he's kissing her. He's turned her a little, so his back is to Tyree. But he can't bring himself to shoot him, you know. He's... he's... 
pretty much a pacifist, and even seeing his friend, you know, making out with his wife isn't enough to make him want to kill. So he tosses down the, the flintlock and the gunpowder. He's pretty upset, and he's running away now. And Kirk is still kind of kissing Inona. Oh, there's there's the Mugatu, mate, the mate of the other Mugatu. It's a really cool creature they used for this. They did a good job. It's a white, uh, you know, horned beast. Looks kind of like an ape, but with, you know, a spine and a horn. Sort of chasing Nona here now on the ground. She's trying to stay away, and Kirk's still pretty messed up and pretty drugged, but he tries to take uh, the Mugatu, kind of gets knocked out of the way, but... Kirk's now going for his phaser that he had jammed down in his pocket. And that's one more Mugatu down. So that's McCoy, one Mugatu. Kirk, one Mugatu. And now Nona. Kirk's still a little drugged out. And Nona's grabbing his phaser. Whacks him over the head with a rock. <laughs> yeah, Tyree goes back. He's pretty, pretty mad, pretty upset. He, he's, uh, he tells tells McCoy, "Where, you know, show us where you left that flintlock." Or McCoy asks him. So now they get back here. Nona's managed to grab Kirk's phaser, run off. And now uh, they find uh, Kirk kind of knocked out on the ground a little bit. He's he's messed up and Nona. I just realized that Nona runs around in this episode out in there in the woods and everything barefoot. You know, you'd think they could come up with some kind of boots or sandals. It's pretty rocky. And this is a really dumb move on what appears to be a pretty smart woman. Take me to him. He will have the strength to use this new weapon. And now she's sort of flashing Kirk's phaser at them, you know. But she really doesn't know how to use it anyway. And this small box will kill you. But these guys, there's uh, there's four four villagers that are sort of attacking her. kind of, you know, forcing themselves a little bit on her to kiss her. She pulls out her knife, and uh, I guess she gave up on trying to figure out how to use the phaser. 
Constrictors. Kind of a nasty scene for Trek, really, here. They, uh, they pull out a knife and stab Nona. They were going after her and everything. Now there's a bit of a fight here that Kirk and Tyree charge in, and there's a lot of hand-to-hand -hand stuff here. Tyree's pretty upset because of Nona. And he's bashing one of the uh, villagers in with a rock. Kirk finally stops him. Yeah, so this uh, made uh, James's friend Tyree kill with uh, what they did to his wife. Tyree picks up one of the uh, flintlocks laying on the ground. I want more of these, Kirk. Many more. You, Dan. Two of those who killed my wife have escaped. Track them down. I will kill them. Ask Scotty how long it would take him to reproduce a hundred flintlocks. I didn't get that exactly, Captain. A hundred? What? A hundred serpents. Serpents for the Garden of Eden. We're very tired, Mrs. Spark. Beam us up home. So there we have uh, A Private Little War, Season 2 TOS episode. Let me, I have a few more comments here. I'm just going to pause it at the end of this. Oh, 
we'll dial that off and uh, and get into uh, yeah this uh, it was a little tricky to comment during it and my, my thoughts in this episode this is not necessarily uh, like one of my real time you know, all time favorite episodes of Trek but I think it has some interesting things to say about about war and violence and supplying arms and and that uh, whether you agree with the situation or what your take is on all of that uh, I'll leave that up to you but. You know, one thing I always have said many times about Trek, and the one thing that I think is important is it does make you think a little bit. And this is again was a very good example of Gene uh, Gene Roddenberry's uh, way of working in, you know, current issues of the time back in the '60s when this episode first aired. And you know, what else? Uh, you know, working commentary about that into an episode of Star Trek. A couple other uh, little uh, side notes. Uh, the uh, the episode never really mentions even the planet's name. You'll you'll discover it, it was supposed to be in the script called the planet Neural, uh, like you know neural neurons in your brain or whatever. And uh, even the Klingon, I don't think is the Klingon that's there supplying the the villagers is never mentioned by name. But his name was supposed to be Krell. But I think the most interesting thing was that bit about that they were trying to revisit this place. And, and show what had happened, you know, about, you know, many decades later with an, uh, an older Kirk, but they weren't able to get uh, William Shatner for that episode, uh, that too short a season, it was supposed to be involving this uh, from the first season of TNG. So, hope you guys liked my commentary, hope the audio was okay, you know, in Rockford here, I'm having to do it a little differently, but uh, I think it worked out. So, I have a few comments, though, to to play about this episode that uh, I will do uh, right now. First up is Brian CD, uh, who is my buddy on the forum and a big TOS fan as well. So I, I bugged him yesterday to get me a comment about uh, this episode. So Brian, tell us what you think about uh, A Private Little War. Hey Rico, it's Brian. I just wanted to send you a couple little comments in on the uh, Private Little War episode of TOS that you're going to be reviewing this week. You know, this wasn't one of my favorites as a kid growing up, but I have to admit, in retrospect, it has a couple of really cool elements to it. I mean, obviously, from a macro standpoint, the whole sort of Cold War arms race thing is an underlying theme of the episode, and that comes through very well. And as you watch it, you can see that this definitely had a very late 1960s sort of appeal to it in terms of that. But I have to admit, there, there are a couple of real standouts in A Private Little War. The first, obviously, being the Mugato. I mean, a character that came, comes back in Zoolander, that Ben Stiller movie. you got to love the Mugato. The, the, the most ridiculous creature ever. And it's awesome. It's just so great the way they, they, they get this guy in a white ape outfit with a horn on his head. And he attacks Kirk. Good stuff gets better when Kirk gets then found by the hill people and uh, Nona has to cure him with her magic. And let's face it, that's about as close to TOS came to soft porn ever. Meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, the whole thing was Spock and Dr. Mabenga, and when Nurse Chapel has to like smack him around to revive him, Awesome. And what, that's one thing I do remember as a kid. I remember like like Vulcans were that they made Vulcans very like tough. Like it was like they're so they're so strong that in order to like wake them up, you had to slap them around. And it was it was a great scene just to see Chapel doing it gently and Spock yelling at her harder. And then Mabenga walks in and starts wailing on him. I just love that. That was always so great. And I, that I remember all the time from that episode. 
And then I think towards the end, I think they took maybe not so much a risk, but I think it was very cool how they decided that Nona with the phaser was going to die because she couldn't use the technology and the the other people with the flintlocks were able to were able to capture her. You know, it it, it really sort of points out that you know the, the weapons, the technology, it's it becomes this 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 like curse on their people, and they all have to now. Kirk at least understands now that he feels compelled that he needs to arm them. He needs to engage in an arm race. Clearly violating the Prime Directive, but let's face it, that Prime Directive, that was Picard's problem, not James Tiberius Kirk's problem. So he gives them the weapons and he does what he has to do to make the battleground even and probably made the wrong decision. But he made the decision he makes and we have to sort of live with it and we have to understand the character who makes a decision like that and we move on. But it's, you know, in retrospect, again, a, a much better episode than I remember it being. Uh, whenever, if it's on, I love watching it simply because of the Mugato. Anyway, man, hey, thanks very much for reviewing this episode. I hope you're well. Take care, buddy. Bye. Yeah, great comments, Brian. You know, I can always tell that that we're both really, you know, big TOS fans because you have a lot of the same ideas and points to make about these episodes and feel very much the same way I do. I mean, this again, like I said, it wasn't necessarily one of my favorites, but there are some really cool parts in it. The Mugatu and and, and Nona, and like you said, this is a little sexy and, and more than a lot of episodes were uh, of Trek. I, I mean, her outfit, the little place, and or the the scene where she's curing him, and then she sort of seduces him by the river there, and, and even the scene where where she's being attacked by the villagers, and, and they and they're you know tr- you know forcing uh, her to, to kiss them and, and all that, and then they stab her. You know, pretty tough stuff for TOS Trek. You know, even later Treks, you know, were were pretty mild in those areas. You know, especially strong violence and, and sexual content or whatever. I'm not saying anywhere by you know this isn't like a late night Showtime movie or anything like that but uh or cinemax i guess is the stationer isn't it i don't know but uh but anyway yeah some uh some cool stuff and it's it's amazing to me and it just shows the longevity of the original series and, and some elements and like you mentioned the mugatu and uh zoolander but you know he only that, that creature only is in this in this episode in a couple of scenes and, and it's endured all these years you know 40 plus years later and it still pops up. And uh, related to that, we have another song that I'm, I'm going to hold this because I, I – two things. i got a Rick Moyer new song and, and some comments on this episode. But I've got to play one other Trek uh, entry, and this is going to sidetrack us from this discussion of the episode. But I wanted to play this earlier. It slipped through. But um, his name is Chad. And uh, he has sent a comment about uh, just some questions related to Trek and different series. So I'm going to diverge a little. We'll get back to Private Little War with Rick Moyer and his uh, take and and comments at the very end of the podcast. But this one, uh, Chad sent in, and he wanted to, to have my, you know, I guess somewhat expert Trek opinion about some things he's thought about related to Trek. So I'm going to play his, his uh, audio here, and then I will come back and comment on it. Oh, and I'm sorry, it's not Chad, it's a Chandler, I think is his name. So here we go. Here we go, it's Barrel from the Forums, and I had some questions. My favorite um, Star Trek is Voyager, and I was wondering, do, like, the Borg put atmosphere on their ship for a certain reason? Because, like, you know from First Contact that they can breathe in space. Um... 
also, I was wondering, like, if, like, because we know they have assimilated Betazoids and Vulcans and a whole bunch of other races. But I was wondering, like, do they lose their telepathic things? I was wondering why, but I was thinking that would be cool if, like, they, um, were, like, all the collective got super power things because, like, one of them had telekinesis. Just wondering, also, I really enjoyed your review on Scorpion. It was, like, 147, I think it was. I don't remember, but... I really enjoyed that, and um, I enjoy your podcast, so bye. Okay, that uh, if you didn't quite catch that at the very beginning, he says it pretty fast, but that's Sparrow from the forums, a newer member, and uh, according to his email, his name is Chandler. Uh, anyway, uh, Sparrow, I'll call you that. Uh, a couple of interesting questions to bring out. You, you ask about the, the Borg and atmospheres on their ship. I think there's a couple times where they reference that in episodes related to the Borg, I believe that that they do need atmospheres. A lot of them do. I think that uh, there are certain uh, drones and that that can handle not having it. I guess, but uh, I'm not a Borg or really a Voyager, you know, expert on that aspect of it. But it, it's a, it's a good thing to bring up. I thought that there was maybe in in, in TNG days where uh, maybe somebody could send a follow up audio comment about this in TO. TNG days and the Borg and that, that there were times where they they talked about atmosphere on their ships and that. And I, I think it relates, though, a lot to the whoever they've assimilated more, you know. And, and that relates into your other part of the question about the uh, the Borg, if they assimilate Vulcans and, and you know, other telepathic uh, species, the Betazoids and stuff. And they always said, we'll add your distinctiveness to our own and all that good stuff. I believe this is the way it would kind of work. I don't think that okay. They let's say they assimilate one Vulcan. I don't believe that that makes all of the Borg everywhere telepathic. I think they had they would have that drone there. That Borg would be telepathic still because I think that you know uh, species are you know some of what they can do is related to their their physical makeup, their brain and everything like that, not just their knowledge. You know, for example, when Picard was assimilated by the Borg. They used him still as, you know, they didn't use other uh, drones. They used his knowledge and everyone, you know, what he knew about the Federation, the Enterprise, and everything like that. That kind of gets distributed out. But they still knew that they wanted to use him as Locutus. Uh, I can never say that name. But the simple answer to me is that they don't gain the, you know, the attributes of whatever they assimilate for all of the Borg. I think just their individual uh, ones would get certain traits, you know, related to that. Telepathy, telepathy is one of them, you know. Um, I think the they don't they don't really that doesn't get like filtered out through all the rest of the Borg everywhere, as far as I can tell. Now, knowledge and information, I think, would because uh, they can, you know, then they can read each other's thoughts and, and minds and everything. But uh, if somebody is like, uh, you know, whatever, they have some physical ability, you know, about them related to their own species, I don't think they would get that. So that's my take. And I'm glad you enjoyed the review of Scorpion and other Voyager episodes. And thanks so much for sending in that that audio. Uh, it always is great to get new questions like that. And anybody who has any other comments or questions, and if you've got a you know answer for Sparrow too on, on what he brought up, uh, send them into uh, treksf at gmail.com.
Okay, now, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much near the end of this week's podcast. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up here pretty quickly. But uh, we do have that uh, last bit uh, to play for you from our buddy Rick Moyer, who did the podcast last week. He has sent in just an amazing, great new song uh, related to uh, this episode of Private Little War uh, and related to the Mugatu. So I know Brian CD is going to be dancing around to this song. And, oh, so will I here in my empty house in Rockford. Uh, but i got to get some lunch here pretty soon, so we're, we're going to finish this out. But anyway, Rick, thanks so much for your comments on A Private Little War and the new song. And with that, I'm going to end my discussion this week. Uh, tune in next week where we're going to have a real special podcast. I'm going to be interviewing a, a Trek author, somebody I've talked to quite a long time ago. He has a new uh, book out called uh, Star Trek Online, The Needs of the Many. And it's not a, it is related to the new Star Trek Online game slightly, but it is not really that much related to the game. I mean, the bottom line of it is I read this book really before I played much of Star Trek Online and enjoyed it. Uh, quite a bit. It, it, it's a little different, and we'll be talking a lot about that next week on the podcast for uh, April 18th. But I'm going to interview a Mike Martin next week, and that will be most of next week's podcast. So that's about it for this time out. And you can always check the main webpage or the forum for the updated schedule. I've got to put a new one up there because I do have it updated. Oh, one last thing that I wanted to mention, and, and I'm kind of preparing people for this. Uh, I am. Uh, I just got the most recent Entertainment Weekly magazine, and for Star Wars fans, you really need to seek this magazine out. It's on newsstands now, but there is a great uh, cover uh, picture and article inside with more pictures on uh, the uh, second Star Wars movie, and I mean the really second Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back. They came out in May of 1980, so we're coming up on the 30th anniversary. Uh, it's very hard for me to believe that the 30th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. There's a great story inside this Entertainment Weekly, great uh, pictures in here as well, because there's going to be a new book uh, related to this by a guy named J.W., I think it's J.W., Rinsler. This won't be coming out until the fall in October. Uh, He did a Star Wars book with some just amazing uh, photos and information about the making of the first Star Wars film. And he's doing another one, or has done another one, uh, about Empire that is going to be coming out, like I said, in the fall in October, I think, according to Amazon. But anyway, related to all of this and and the big event here, we're having the 30th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, In May, towards the end of the month, and I'll announce this soon, probably be one of the last weekends of the month. I'm going to do a whole another podcast on The Empire Strikes Back. But what I would like from you, and start thinking about this, and if you want to record something, send it in ahead of time. Uh, I think it's just going to be an audio show. I was tempted to do a video, but uh, what I'd like from you are your thoughts about Empire, both if you saw it way back when it first came out, maybe your thoughts about the first time you saw it, whether it was back when it first came out in theaters or maybe you're a little younger and you saw it on a video or a DVD. But what, what your first impressions were, just you know, a few minutes of audio from uh, the listeners of Treks in Sci-Fi about The Empire Strikes Back. And I'm going to try to make a real special show to celebrate uh, my favorite Star Wars movie. So that will be coming up towards the end of May. So you got a good month or more, more than a month to get something in. And I'll try to remind people over the next few weeks about that again. But I really want to do a cool podcast because it is... Just such a great movie, and, and like I said, my favorite of the Star Wars films. So 
That will be coming up towards the end of May. Anyway, I'm out of here. Here's Rick Moyer and his comments about a private little war. And I will talk to you next week with that interview with Mike Martin. Take care and take it away, Rick. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. Yes, the green state. It's very green here and lots and lots of rain. But I'm so excited that you're covering A Private Little War, the one of the original series uh, episodes with Captain Kirk and McCoy and Spock. And, and of course, in this case, uh, Tyree and Nona and the Magatu. <laughs> what an awesome costume that was, huh? Big white abominable. I can't even say abominable. Abominable. Anyway, big white snowman thing creature with a, a horn on its head and on and horns on its back, and it bit Captain Kirk. How, how awful of it! And then, of course, we know the the whole story because you just reviewed it. <laughs> anyway, great, great episodes. A few inconsistencies. I had to wonder about some of the things, like uh, uh, just the whole thing about the Klingons not being able to tell that they weren't. Um, in range and and uh, anyway, it's just it's, it was an interesting show. I actually liked it a lot. Uh, my my big problem with the episode was that Kirk actually provides weapons for the other side, and as you all know, um, if you watch a lot of Star Trek, the Prime Directive is pretty clear that you don't do that. Of course, the Klingons I know had supplied the other side with weapons already, and but you know Captain Picard would have never done this as we've seen in some of the episodes in TNG. So I just thought it was really interesting that uh, cowboy diplomacy was used, as my friend Jeff referred to last night as we were Skyping about the episode. So anyway, great episode. I did a song for it uh, to Sticks, song Mr. Roboto, and I call this one, Oh No, Captain Kirk Got Bit by Magato. And I know it's Magato, but oh well. Give me, uh, give me artistic license, would you? I even did some making of a, a Star Trek parody stuff on my video blog, and you can find that at youtube.com slash rickmoyer777. That's youtube slash rickmoyer777. Check it out. You can see how I actually produced the song and stuff. It's kind of fun. So here you go, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. Rico, thanks for all you do. I love your podcast. It's so awesome. So here you go. Oh, no, Captain Kirk got bit by Magato. On Treks and Sci Fi. There's something wrong with my emotions 
sci-fi.com Join the forums at treksinsci-fi.com slash forum Dr. Beverly Crusher I would appreciate an explanation Yes, you should Do you have a comment, a suggestion, or a question? Email Rico today at treksf at gmail.com That's treksf at gmail.com and what do you think that tells me about your character? Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast with geeky goodness and entertainment news. Copyright 2010.
All rights reserved. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. Yes, you should. Goodbye.